Well, we didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, Joe and I had talked about this. Uh, and in our, our mailback episode, we, we both look like idiots now. But against all the odds, the Rangers ended up with the second overall pick in the 2019 NHL Draft. And to talk about, this is our little special edition lottery show without Joe, so it should uh, run a little more smoothly, run more smooth. See, I'm already doing a terrible job in the host seat. But I'm joined by special guests Tom Urch Jr. and Shayna Goldman from Blue Shirt Banner. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good, Mike. How about you? Doing bad as a show host, Tom. Other than that, I'm doing fine and dandy. You're a wonderful show host. It took me a good a good 40 seconds to successfully plug in my headphone jack before the show. So uh, that's, that's the sort of uh, leadership we're dealing with here. Um, Tom, you were talking just before the show about how kind of... In the, the Rangers have been around since 1926, before the Great Depression. But it's been a long time since they've had a pick this high. Is that right? Yeah, so the interesting thing about it is a lot of people have been talking on Twitter today and some people complaining, mostly hockey historians, about, oh, the Rangers have never picked this high before. So prior to 1979, it was an amateur draft. So it's been an entry draft system since then. So this will be the 14th time in franchise history, and I'm hoping that I... I scanned this correctly um, from HockeyDB, that the Rangers have had a top 10 pick. Um, So throughout that assortment, we obviously have recent picks like Kraftsoff at 9, Anderson at 7, McElrath at 10. And then I'm not going to go through the entire list, but of that list, some notable ones would be Brian Leach, number 9 overall in 1986. James Patrick, number nine in 1981, and Nicholas Sundstrom, number eight in 1993. And then obviously you have picks that didn't pan out, Jamie Lundmark, Pavel Brendel, Dan Blackburn, Al Montoya. Yeah, but we don't don't want to talk about those guys right now, Tom. But yes, of course. Uh, But that is important to bring those guys up because, you know, it's we kind of can't help but look back at that that kind of failed rebuild we saw, right? With and with a lot of those guys you mentioned, some of it is due to no fault of their own, especially Dan Blackbird. But now we all of a sudden find ourselves, you know, all of a sudden the Rangers have a chance of getting Capo Caco or less likely um, Hughes. And this is kind of the big deal here: is this was not expected to happen. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, the odds were really against it. And now the Rangers find themselves in a, in a spot where they'll likely be taking a guy some people thought could be the first Finnish player to go first overall um, in Kako. Um, or as Google Translate likes to uh, make his name on the league site, uh, Crapcake is, uh, is what Google Translate does to his name. But for those who don't know, uh, Kako is a he's a natural winger, but he's he's one of his strengths is he's a versatile player. He can play center, but he likes to play wing. Uh, he played wing at, at, in the, uh, the the World Juniors. Uh, he's a big guy, really known for protecting the puck and for stick handling. Is that right? I'd say that's an honest assessment, and it's I'm still sort of in shock that we're having this conversation. And 
I think that, like you said, the Rangers are just in a really enviable spot where it's really the answer is going to be whoever the Devils don't pick, you just pick the other person. Um, and it's uh, it's just really awesome. And I, I st- I'm still like in chills. That's really all I can say. Yeah, I was at a Game of Thrones trivia night where my team came in 7th out of 11th place. Um, and the rule was, because it's trivia, you can't look at your phone. So I felt my phone buzzing the whole time, but I, I play by the rules. Uh, I'm not an animal. Um, and then when I looked at my phone afterwards, I saw Devils won the lottery, and I was like, oh, that, you know, okay. At least it wasn't the Oilers. Uh, and then I saw the Rangers got second, and I was cracking up. I couldn't believe... It just didn't seem like it was even remotely a possibility. And, of course, the Blackhawks picking third is a whole different can of worms. But you know what? We're going to focus on the good stuff. The Rangers getting Hughes or, you know, Capo Caco is is essentially... A lot of people are kind of jumping the gun or they can't help but say, oh, this is just going to accelerate the rebuild. But really, it kind of does, right? This is a guy who can immediately become a top six forward, or at least that's the general consensus or the general idea. And the reason there is that much hype here is because he's already playing against and with men uh, this past season in the Liga in, in Finland. And in that league, he made a lot of noise. Um, he I believe what he broke uh, the under-18 uh, season in terms of uh, the goal-scoring record. Uh, and he had uh, really comparable numbers to guys like Line and Barkov and Granlund. So some really, really good company uh, for a guy who it looks like still, you know, has all sorts of potential. But there's a lot of reason to be excited here. Yeah, and I think that the Rangers, really, whoever they end up with, and it's whether it's Hughes or whether it's, like you said, Capo Caco, um, it's important, like you said, that you don't assume, okay, they're getting a number two pick, the rebuild is over. If anything, which is a topic that we can sort of, we'll cover, you know, on, on the banter, you know, sort of leading up to the draft, where if they get one, how does this affect decisions they make on other players or if they get the other what sort of decisions do they now have to make whether it's they're adding another center via the draft via another winger via the draft but these are all great problems if you will to have happen and it's going to be hard to sort of just wait to the draft now i mean the playoffs start tonight and that will be a good distraction but uh like i said just wow We'd love to hear Shana chime in here. Apparently, her... I went. I just went to, but I just clicked too slow. Okay. Yeah, I know you had some technical difficulties, but I'll I went. To, I went. I went to like click myself, and um, my earbud popped out when I went to put it back in. It was tangled in my hair. It was a thing. But I was going to say, because I'm cool, calm, and composed, is uh, adding on to what Tom said about like this doesn't suddenly mean the rebuild's over. And you can look at teams that rebuilt over the years from the Capitals to the Bruins, the Kings, the Blackhawks, Penguins, you name it. They had more than one top five pick. And this is the uh, this is the Rangers' first top five pick. You can literally look around the league at any team and, you know, pick out top talent. 
for the Kings, you have Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar for the Blackhawks. You have Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Obviously, every single person on the Tampa Bay Lightning, whether or not they were drafted in the first round or even in the top five spot, is top talent. But, you know, we digress. You know, you, you need to get that somehow. And with the Penguins, it was it was picking, getting top five picks every single year. They're one of the few teams that almost all of their, I guess, like leading picks from their rebuilding years were top five picks from Jordan Stahl to Kenny Malkin, Marc-Andre Fleury, Sidney Crosby, Ryan Whitney even, you know, is a top five pick. That Those were their building blocks. The Rangers don't have that, but they do have a lot of first round picks. You know, they're getting to that point between... You go back to Anderson, Heedle, last year Lundqvist, Miller, Kraftsoff, and now whether it's Hughes or Kako, that's, you know, that's huge for them. And uh, whoever else they get in the first round, which could be up to three more players, or even if they package those three picks and somehow slide earlier, you know, in the top 10, 20, anything like that. So it's definitely not a signal that the rebuild's over, but it's a huge step forward in it. And, um... But I, I don't think that means like, oh, okay, they're not going to make, you know, their team that's going to be irrelevant next year. I think we just got like our answer. Maybe they won't be, especially because this will probably put a fire under the Rangers' asses to do more this offseason. You bring up an interesting point, and it's what I, I was, was going to say. And um, with the news breaking sort of that they get the number two overall pick, I just sort of had uh, this vision. It's sort of like Jeff Gordon, he's in las vegas or he's at you know monte carlo or pick your your whatever is your favorite casino is and he's just sort of sitting on a blackjack table and he's got this st- these stacks upon stacks of, of chips and he really doesn't have to do anything he's can just make his number two pick he can go through the rest of the draft status quo um we, we know we'll have winnipeg's pick potentially have a first from tampa potentially a first from the Dallas Stars, and then you go through the rest of the draft, their seconds, their thirds, you name it. But it sort of does create this intrigue because there's always that one or two players come draft day that the draft starts and they go down and they go down and they go down. And then it sort of becomes a bidding war where teams sort of say, I didn't expect that this was going to happen. I think of... um, when Seth Jones sort of eventually dropped in his draft year, and you think of the 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 draft where the the Blue Jackets took, um, I think it was Pierre Luc Dubois. So you have these sort of picks that come out of nowhere, or so you think come out of nowhere. Long way of saying is that, like you said, the Rangers could be in this position and try and bundle some of their picks, maybe a player or two, and decide, you know what. Maybe we like another player within the top 10, top 15 that given what they they know, it'll sort of just help into the rebuild. But then at the end of the day, because you have number two overall, you can ultimately decide to stay where you are and go on with the rest of the draft. So there's going to be a lot of intrigue. I think that Gorton's going to get a lot of phone calls um, and it's going to be one of the more interesting drafts um out after the rangers make their first pick uh in uh some some years shana why should people be so goddamn excited about this number two pick what does capo caco mean it means adding a top 
top player. You know, there there's obviously so much risk involved with any draft pick, and and that's true for a first overall pick. It's true for a third round pick. It's true for a seventh round pick. There are gems that you can find in later rounds, like Henrik Lundqvist in the seventh, and you can find studs. You know, in the first round too, maybe even outside the top five. Like you look at Pedersen, who went fifth overall, and you know he's already looking like one of the best out of that draft class when there were still four players before him. But when you have the chance to, you know, have your pick of the litter, you you're, you should be picking the best of the best. And in this case, it's user Kako. So you might be adding a player, like if you look at, you know, a few years past, you might be adding the Andrei Svechnikov, the Jack Eichel, the Patrick Laine. Um, there's so many players that have gone second overall from Barkov to Reinhardt to Tyler Sagan, Victor Hedman, uh, Evgeny Malkin, you name it. There are so many great options. There's also some that maybe didn't come into their own as soon as teams could have wanted, and I think that's important to note too. There's less pressure on the second overall pick because they're not the first, you know, which will follow them forever, but they're still the second. You look at guys like Sam Reinhardt, maybe it didn't click for him as soon as anyone could have wanted. You know, this year he had a great year, I guess, relative to the rest of the Sabres, which isn't saying much, but. You know, uh, why why do we have to do that to Buffalo? I'm, so, I'm you're sorry. Absolutely correct. I'm sorry, it's but a, you know, it's a relatively nice town. I was there very recently. I didn't know where anyone was. That was it was like a ghost <laughs> town. But still, you know, if if you haven't, there were expectations for him that maybe were unfair just because he was a second overall pick, and maybe because of how impatient they got, or even Ryan Murray with Columbus. You know, so many could look at that mm. and go, "Well, oh, that's their pick." And before he was injured this year, he was playing great hockey maybe some of the best he ever has but it took him a little time to get there so like you do have to keep that in mind like these are kids but you also have to think you know Daniel Sedin was a second overall pick Barkov I mean think of two fins right there so if you get Kako you know obviously everyone's going to be talking about Barkov and Line A right off the bat and there's a reason for it they were great prospects and they've become great players yeah the the thing that Joe and I talked about in the you know the mailbag was how really this year most people agree it, it's it's Hughes and and Kako and then it's kind of three and three to eight is kind of up in the air and it really depends on what your organization might need and that's why I wanted to ask you this Tom because you mentioned all the picks the Rangers have and as we look you know if if, if uh, any listeners are curious a, a great resource for most things is cap friendly and. The Rangers have two first-round picks guaranteed. Um, and like you mentioned, Tom, there's a chance they could have uh, Tampa's first as well as Dallas's first. And so the question now becomes, does getting a guy like Kako at two change what the Rangers should think about doing with that Winnipeg pick? Or is it simply just take the best player available? Because... The thing that's so interesting to me about this, Tom, is we have Kravtsov. We have Buchnevich, who just, you know, really solidified himself as I am, you know, a top six NHL winger. And all of a sudden, this this dire need in the organization for scoring wingers doesn't look maybe quite as dire as it was just 48 hours ago. So I'm of, of two minds when it comes to what they should do next um and one example involves the rangers and one doesn't involve the rangers so if we look back to 
last year's draft, the Rangers, um, they had an extra or they had their their pick, which they got um, trying, trying to follow the trade chain that they eventually used to select Keandre Miller. And it was a situation where the Rangers felt that they knew that if they did not take Miller at 22nd overall, that the Anaheim Ducks were were going to uh, select him next at pick 23. So that was one instance where it made sense for the Rangers to take a later first, bundle it with another pick so that they could move up those few um, draft slots. So looking at Tankathon right now where it has sort of the mock draft. So right now um, the Rangers are scheduled to have a number 22 overall pick from the Winnipeg Jets. So that's Mm -hmm. if they were going to, um, I believe it's done by uh, their overall record. So if they were to get eliminated in the first round, they would pick there. But obviously as they go on, that'll change. Um, So then you also look at last year and you had some players that were thought to go in the first round. They slid to the second round. Your players like Ryan McLeod, Bode Wild. Um, so I guess it's it's not really answering your question the best way. I, I would say that we see who slides in the draft, and the Rangers might be in a spot where they can say, you know what, you can have this pick from Winnipeg. We're going to move back a few slots. Or if someone they really like, because they were obviously scouting not um, – Assuming that they were going to win the lottery, they might be aggressive and say, you know what, this guy's available at 11. We were going to try and take him at 6 or 7, so let's see that what we can do. So really, it it depends on who is left, and it also depends on if there are other trades made um, on draft day. Yeah, so I, think, I feel like your answer is really the most reasonable answer, right, Tom? It's the so much of what happens on draft day from everything we know, especially from the outside looking in, is organizations have a plan of what they'd like to do, and then it's a whole lot of read and react, right? Um, And I'm wondering, Shana, if the Rangers getting a guy like, like to add a player of Capo Caco's caliber to the, he's the sort of prospect where you say, this is a, you know, a guy who can be a franchise player. That's that's what the scouting report is on him in terms of his ceiling and where he is right now and, you know, all the potential is there. Last year and around that, you know, that 21 spot, the Rangers picked 22 um, in a kind of a, nearly an equivalent spot and they got Keandre Miller, but uh, they traded up for him. Um, and, of course, you know, that was a, a big deal and then... A, towards the end of the draft at the 28th spot they got uh, Nils Lundqvist and now you have Kako at the top of the draft what do you think the Rangers should do later in the draft just as a general rule what should be the strategy going into the draft day should it just be you know maybe saying this might be the time to trade Chris Kreider put together a big package or is this maybe find a center um, you know, a, a center that has a lot of upside, but maybe has fallen down or in the draft board because he's undersized or some other shortcoming in his game. What do you think they should do late? I 
think they have an advantage this year as opposed to the last, uh, I guess, the last two years, you could really say. Because even when they got seventh, you knew they were pushing further. But, you know, last year they had the ninth overall pick. Everybody knew the Rangers were trying to figure out what was their best attack, really. Could they trade up? Could they go up to fourth? Could they go up to even fifth or sixth to try to go for maybe the Quinn Hughes or um, the Zadina or anything like that? They don't need to do that this year. So now their attention can be focused on everything else. And I think that's huge. They're not thinking, how can we allocate our resources? Because we want to take pick number seven and go up to three, which means we can't start flipping other pieces around until we know whether or not that's going to happen. And at the draft is when a lot of trades will happen. They have nothing to do with picks, but it's where, you know, so many general managers are that you have that opportunity to negotiate. Um, so without... Um, Sorry, without um, having to plan for that, they can figure out everything else they'd want to do with their picks, and that might be packaging something up to move up. I, I think getting more prospects is obviously a, a great thing, and if they only have one other first-rounder, I'm not sure how much they try to move up. You know, they still could and move someone like, say, Jimmy VC and something else to try to move up from maybe... Yeah, who Larry Brooks seems to think is on his way out. Which yeah. Is definitely, I don't know... I don't know on what universe Jimmy Vc gets the Rangers a late first-round pick, but you know what? I'd like to spend some time in that universe. And even if it's moving, you know, pairing him with the with the other pick they have from Winnipeg because they at least have that to move up. Yeah. Or maybe they do end up with Dallas's or Tampa's that they have now three first-round picks to, like, give themselves a little bit more flexibility with that. It wouldn't be the worst idea to try to move up. I, you, there are players like the Caulfields that maybe teams are going to be a little bit more nervous to pick, just like they were with Alex DeBrincat because of his size. And, you know, all those teams that passed on him aren't looking too smart right now because here's a 40-goal scorer that just because yeah. he's not big. But with Kreider, it adds a completely different level. Like, it complicates things so much because you can look at it two ways. They could say, we want to be a playoff team next year. And in one respect, you do need Kreider. Even if you move him and you have these young players, your winger depth sucked this season. Now you're losing another winger who's really your best. I think Buchnevich might be the guy to surpass him like, in the next year or two, but as it stands, Kreider's the best that they currently have. You move him, you're changing the entire dynamic of your team, even if you are replenishing it along the way. And if you think this is the year and you move him, it kind of shows... Well, maybe it's not. Maybe we're genuinely keeping up our rebuild. And then if they say, well, we're getting Panarin, then fuck, who cares if you have Chris Kreider? Like, they might look at it that <laughs> way. You can't dedicate the cap space to both. And it's not an insult to Kreider, but if they have the option, we all know what they're going to do. And yeah. also, it saves their asses a little bit because they can't go eight years with Panarin like they might feel forced to do with Kreider. But then... Oh, that's a good point. Do you load up? Do you keep Kreider? You sign Panarin... You add, you know, as much as you can, and you load up without having to trade. You don't trade Kreider. You don't get, you know, the return that you could from doing it. But you also aren't now spending that return at the deadline or next year to get that next great winger that can help take your team the next step because they would still probably need that if they felt they were going to contend in two years, you know? That's a good point. Tom, you wanted to raise a point? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough and... I've sort of gone back and forth with this and it's it's hard because he was playing hurt towards the end of the year but if I were the Rangers 
I would say this. Whatever they were already feeling about what to do with Chris Kreider, whether it's trade him or keep him, I don't think that they should let the fact that they're now picking number two overall and can select Capacaco uh, change that decision. So in other words, if they were already leaning toward trading him, you trade him anyway, and then I yeah. guess you can rationalize Kako will eventually um, go into that spot. If they were already leaning towards we want to hold on to him, now you sort of say, okay, we're going to keep you, but now instead of maybe five years, we're going to try to go for four years. And maybe if we were looking around um, you know, six and a half million, now we're going to try and press it to six million. And I think he's a type of guy that he can sort of see what the Rangers are building and he would like to remain with this team. I just worry if we've already seen the best of what Chris Kreider can do. Um, there's an yeah, Actually, I share that concern with you, buddy. I, I understand why you'd raise that point, and uh, I feel the same way about Kreider, but I want to know why you feel that way. So the reason I feel that we've already seen the best of Kreider is if you you look at how he's, he's played throughout his career, it's he always has this knack for, you know, he's breaking out. He's going to become the player that we all thought he was going to be. And then the production sort of stops. And there's been various reasons why. Some it's been he's slumped. Others he had the injury this year. A year prior it was the the blood clot issue. But when you look at Kreider, you look... Sometimes it's it's hard to, uh, to realize it, but how awesome... Of a deal that he's on currently at 4.625 million and once you sign him to a new deal he's gonna be older it's almost like when you buy a new car once you take it off the lot it's already depreciating yeah, it's already losing value yeah yeah and he's already on such a great deal you're gonna be paying him more for either equal or uh, lesser production so it's like I, I get it he's all the intangibles, what he means to the franchise, what he means to the fans. But I, I I look at it and say, whatever they were already feeling, just go in that direction because you don't want to be in a situation where we say, we're going to wait and see, and then it becomes a, a, a heart over uh, head type business decision. It's tricky with Crowder to me because he will be 28 at the end of this month, and you know, there's always the earlier. I forget when it came out, but the, the most recent Thirty One Thoughts podcast. Um, you know, they talked. Crider was something that uh, that came up, I believe, and he did. Yeah. The, so there is some smoke there about what his future looks like. You know, a lot of there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about whether or not he's going to be someone who gets moved at the deadline, and just you know, when you when you kind of piece together what the roster could look like next season, because you would imagine. If the Rangers do get, you know, Cap Kako, it's if they don't get Kako, they're getting Hughes, and Hughes is in your lineup. It doesn't matter how many centers you have. Obviously, I feel like Kako is is a strong, strong, strong chance of being in your NHL lineup. And so, if you're if you sign Panarin, which we know is not a given, but it's leaning towards, I would say it's at least a coin flip right now in terms of just what we've heard and and all of that, and you have adding Panarin and Kako, 
Like all of a sudden, it's it's two wingers in, right? That that you want to give big minutes to, and that I think is something that requires some attention. That might be something that actually helps push someone like Jimmy Vc out the door. But maybe that someone is a, uh, maybe that someone is Chris Kreider. And uh, this is obviously this isn't like oh the Rangers uh, got second in the lottery, so goodbye Chris Kreider. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it definitely it definitely changes a lot of what you know, the Rangers' draft strategy could be, and also their strategy with some of the guys they have now. Um, you know, it could even potentially change the way they, you know, talk about negotiating with Buchnevich, although I wouldn't be surprised if the plan all along was just to give him the uh, the bridge deal, just based on, you know, how kind of hectic his usage was under his, uh, his two head coaches so far. Shana, you had uh, something you wanted to add? Um, two things. You said Kreider's age, and I think that is maybe the biggest consideration because at 28 years old, do you really want to sign someone to that lengthy contract that'll drag into their 30s? And do you want to, if it's a player that plays his style, because that net front, you're getting beat to shit every single game. There's no doubt about it. You look at how Jamie Benn has declined, and this was a guy that was winning, you know, scoring titles. He was killing it. You can't yeah, he's not the same player now, yeah? No, yeah. For the most part, you can't keep that up. But the one exception is, like with Kreider, you look at his fitness level, and I think that's something that is such a consideration too, because few players are as... Not few players, but you know what I mean. Like, he is in such unbelievable shape, and he maintains it. And you even see it after the blood clot. He changed his weight, his diet, his this, his that, to just keep up because this is how he felt good, you know? So I think that's one consideration. Another one, though, is um, with Kako, is he did play a little bit of center this year. And, you know, he was offered the opportunity. He took it. He ran with it. I think that's interesting, too. Obviously, playing center is different than wing. It's different at the NHL level. The question with almost every single solitary center prospect, and we were asking it the entire season, is whether, you know, a center is better suited for that position or if they should shift to the wing. You you heard it all year with Heedle. There were questions with Anderson when he struggled, maybe Howden needed it, so on and so forth. So can he come into the league now? It's not saying, oh, can you come into the NHL and do your thing, but can you do it now at a position that you haven't played as much? But the fact that he can do it, it, it has another dynamic to it because if you're shifting him to center and you say, well, we're going to shift you to center, but here's our Tammy Panarin, or even here's Chris Kreider, you know, you're, you're changing the game a little bit. And I think that's something else to consider too. You know, maybe it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Maybe he's your 3C next year, Heedle's your 2C, and Howden's down at 4, and Nieves is on the wing. And that's just a t- cheaper option. So if you wanted to flip another player, like VC or Strom, or an Amesnikov, you were, you were just able to, and now you have even more players on their entry-level deals. Yeah, it definitely is... The offseason just looks different, right, uh, from from what it looked like just a little while ago. It feels like, I understand why a lot of people are so, you know, jumping at the bit and being like, oh, this will accelerate the rebuild, because in many ways it will. But also I feel like it, it moves a lot of the pieces around, and uh, it changes what the landscape of this Rangers team could really look like as we head in the draft. And, you know, I know Tom... Uh, mentioned, you know, the it'll, it'll help that there's some playoff hockey that will distract us, which gets underway tonight. We're recording this on a, on a Wednesday, which is the day after, or really the morning after uh, what happened with the, the lottery last night. But uh, Tom, you had some a final thought? 
Yeah, my final thought, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, is we can talk, you know, till the cows come home about all the potential forwards the Rangers could have and who will play center and who will play wing and, and all that. But who is going to play defense? Like, are we, we, we saw this year it was, you know, pretty big shit show. And we saw that the team, I don't know if it was the team just was trying to make the best of things or they were um had some you know statistics that said these are the pairings that we should roll out but like they can build a stacked forward core and if they don't address the defense then it's not going to matter what we're going to just sort of say okay um you know Alex Gorgiev or hey you know Igor Shishorkin the guy that you're replacing like, we just did this shit for him for, like, the last, you know, decade. And, you know, it, it kind of worked out okay. So yeah. we're going to just have a bunch of forwards and no fucking defenders. And, you know, you just sort of, you know, take care of it. You know, you'll you'll adjust in time. So They'll be the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I like I, I like beliefs, but like come on. It's fun. Yeah, they just don't don't really care about defense. And but, then they uh, shit on Frederick Anderson and say he's the yeah. problem. Yeah. And everyone but. says Anderson's the problem and then they wonder why Ron but what about Ron Hainsey? Ah he adds grit and veteran uh you know, veteran presence and all that he shit. He absorbs the minutes. Yeah, he just yeah, he just soaks them up like a like a like a sponge. Or black hole. Yeah, one one of those two things. Yeah. The you know, it's such an important point you raised, Tom, because, like, what was the team's biggest weakness this year? It was by miles and miles, it was the D. And I know I know that a lot of uh, Rangers fans fell head over heels for Libor Hayek in the very small sample size we saw him in the NHL before he got dinged up and was shut down. But if you look at what else is there in terms of the guys who were in Hartford, I mean, there's not... There's nothing, there's no help coming, right? That's the thing, you know, I was talking to Joe last show about this, or I think it might have been the flagship show. Like, the guys who, we have Pionk who needs a new deal, uh, D'Angelo who needs a new deal, Clayson who is an RFA, but honestly, it, it feels like it's more likely the Rangers don't sign him. Because they don't, they do not appreciate him one bit. Yeah, meanwhile... You can build a very strong case that he, he was the most effective defensive defenseman on the team by all the all the metrics that really matter. But Shattenkirk, Stahl, Shea, Smith, they're all signed at least through 2020-21. And, you know, who's there in Hartford? It's, you know, there's... You have Ryan Lindgren. Um, you have... Rob O'Gara, who's becoming UFA, if, if folks forgot about Rob O'Gara, he's still kicking around. Uh, Chris Begris, who never, he had a great start in Hartford this year, but definitely uh, definitely kind of crumbled and also got dinged up, I believe, and he's now 24, he's also an RFA. Um, John Gilmore, pending UFA. Uh, he never got the chance to kind of prove it at the NHL level this season, and now you know, if between Lieber Hayek and Ryan Lindgren, I'm not sure you want either of those guys at the NHL level full-time next season. So the defense isn't going to change. So all the fun, like, uh, projecting what the lines could be, this team still needs a lot of work. Drafting, 
Capocacco at two and signing Panarin doesn't make this a cup contender. It doesn't make this, you know, a team that can really make a run in the playoffs. This team still needs a lot of work, right? Yeah, and we can say that there's help on the way eventually, whether it be Ke'Andre Miller, Niles Lundqvist, like you said, if um, if Hayek is able to build upon um, the brief experience he showed this year. It's I think it's more importantly, it's having a defender or two that can see uh, or, or can be around when those kids get here and sort of show them the way. Um, I, I don't think Stahl is that guy just because you want to have someone that... Why can't Kevin Shattenkirk be that guy? I don't well, think anyone wants to give Kevin Shattenkirk a chance to be that guy. Yeah, I think Kevin I Shattenkirk agree. wants to be that guy. Yeah. I, th- I think Shattenkirk can be that guy. Um, I just hope that the Rangers do give him that, that opportunity. And it's sort of a thing where he has the two years left on the deal. I wonder what type of contract he would or could potentially sign after that. And will they not even get to make that decision because they say, you know, we got to address Tony D'Angelo, Neil Pionk, all those guys first. And then when they try to um, make room, instead of going towards the obvious, whether it's Smith or Stahl out the door, they go, bye, Kevin. But that's a conversation for another day. But um, do you have anything else that you would like to say, uh, Shana? Yeah, I'll add. Um those those concerns as long as th- this defense is as shitty as it is and as expensive as they is they're, they're not going to go anywhere and you can look at it this year and say oh well they were doomed from the start and they were but they shouldn't have been that bad they should have been like below average shit they were outright trash and y- you have to look bigger than that and bigger than the players and i think we've been screaming it since the day he was hired fire lindy ref into the sun what are you doing? But even even more than that, you look at Smith. I, I think that, it, and I I was for the Smith extension. I was all for the Smith trade. I don't think anyone could have anticipated this. And I don't think he's had the help to, to be the defenseman that the Rangers signed either. I think you can say that about Shattenkirk. You can say it about literally every single one. I mean, look at Brady Shea the second they got rid of Adam McQuaid. And they thought him with McQuaid was such a good idea all before that. Like, there's a reason to be concerned about it if you don't see everything change. But I think also, as low as we were on Hayek, and rightfully so when you consider Hartford, it was only a couple NHL games, but it was it was, it was was different how different he looked with the Rangers than he did Hartford. And I guess my concern shifts from like the fact that they don't have defensemen to can they even develop them if they get them because Hartford is so bad that, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of like where my head's at because as much as we could say it's okay if you give you know Hayek and Lindgren some time in the AHL and if this one needs it and so on and so forth and you know guys from the college level that they sign anything else it's like are they going to amount to anything if you send them to Hartford first and I think that's what they need to really take a long hard look at before anything else because no matter what good moves they make along the way what's the point if you know. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of it, it was something I thought today where I said to myself, well, if this isn't a reason to get their heads on straight about Hartford. I don't know what is, but like you don't need a good reason to do a better job in Hartford. But if the Rangers get a player of Kako's ability and his potential, 
you can't afford to squander him. Like, this is a team who we were all kind of nervously squirming in our seats being like, holy shit, they didn't win a cup without Hen- with Henrik Lundqvist. When's the next time they're going to get a player that's, that can be an elite player? And we there is potentially a kid now who's only a couple months away from being a part of this organization and, you know, not to put too much pressure on a guy before he's even drafted, but he's a special player. And you can't squander the talent that you acquire like that. You Like, it's too hard to buy. It's I mean, it's too expensive to buy in a trade, and it's more often than not, it's never even on the market. And so... And when you do buy it in free agency, you're buying guys with mileage and maybe, you know, who are worn out or damaged or, you know, there's other issues there. They're not who that you thought they were. And, you know, sometimes, just sometimes, you end up uh, making a trade for Ryan Strom and he leads your team in scoring for the last two months of the season. But uh, I think that's that's what we're going to cover for this little special lottery podcast. Uh, thank thank you, Tom and Shana, for, for joining me, uh, Mr. Mike, for... For this little special edition of Bantering the Blue Shirts. Um, you have any parting words for the nice folks, Tom? We should do this again. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Joe is a well. Oh! You look at that. I like it. Spicy. A little spice And Sheena's going to go eat some shrimp now. And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm eating... I'm eating like... I'm, I'm probably going to get shrimp with it. But it's, it's, it's like tacos and stuff. That's what I'm eating. It's not well, just not? shrimp. Why not shrimp tacos? I, I might, I'm going to get a shrimp taco. I'm feeling it. Did you know that penguin poop is pink or has a red... I thought... I did not. I thought you were going to be like, did you know that penguin poop is eaten by... And I, I was like, I was like, are you going to no. tell me something I'm about to eat? Eat something so vile no. that... Okay. I'm just going right. to mention how... And that's why, supposedly, that's, I think that's why flamingos are, are pink. Oh. But I don't really know. I'm just making stuff up now. Um, I guess that's it. I guess uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you next time. And uh, the next show we do will probably be Joe and myself talking to Adam Herman, the, uh, the prospect guru at, at Banter, and talking about what it means to get a player that uh, Adam called uh, fr- like franchise-altering. I mean, that's... Lofty praise, but you know, we do like alliteration. So thanks for listening, everybody, and let's go, Rangers.